Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grip Locked Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. Today, as you'll notice if you're watching or if you're listening, you'll notice soon, I'm joined by Connor. Hello, this is Connor. <laughs> yeah, thank you for giving them that cue, that yeah. cue there. Uh, we have, once again, a different setup, just like last week. Last week, I was gone on vacation, and this week, Hunter's gone on vacation. Mm-hmm. So you guys get the privilege, and believe me, it is a privilege to listen to Connor two weeks in a row. You got to witness the Connor-Hunter dynamic, and now you get the Trevor-Connor dynamic. I feel honored. There were a lot of really nice comments, and Hunter posted the poll, too. Which was yeah. in favor of me being on here. So my head is a little bit too big right now. So well, you heard it, comment <laughs> section. <laughs> That's time to humble them. Anyways, let's jump right in uh, to the Dynamic Discs Open, formerly the Glass Blown Open, the DDO. Uh, this went down this past weekend. And Paul in first place, 42 yeah. under, first Elite Series win of the season. Uh, he was followed by Ricky and Eagle, second place at. Uh, 36 under six shots back and then chris and calvin bringing up after that at a 35 under but uh kind of the story here is mcbeast kind of showing up there yeah it's like something we haven't seen in a while yeah because i mean i feel like we haven't seen beast mode in a while and he he went into it for sure yeah so he was down paul's down four after round one and he managed to climb himself into a tie after round three but then you know recouping those strokes, you know, four strokes after the first round, it's not a huge deal. But the fact that he was tied and had a lot of good players in contention going to that last round and just dominated yeah. the course, pulled away one by six when there were like I like yeah, I mentioned there in the final scores, you know, you know, four of the top players in the world were right there on his heels. It wasn't like he only had one guy to pull away from. He pulled away yeah. from all of them. Mm-hmm. Everybody else was struggling when the winds picked up, and Paul seemed to shrug it right off, yep. for sure. And he had said in the Nick and Matt show interview that his putt was just feeling really good. Yeah. Which he, he said that that's been his, the struggle for him this season, and this tournament his putt was just feeling really good. And so that might mean that we start seeing more uh, – things more in uh paul's personality that we've seen in the past which is a lot more wins coming up for sure uh, if he's if he's got his putt where he wants it yeah it is uh definitely scary scenes out there when paul's putt gets going um whenever you're putting well in the wind it's you know you're gonna yeah. gain so many more strokes because everybody else is struggling uh typically and i you know just watching the coverage i saw that a lot of the guys were really having difficulty the winds were i think gusting up to you know, 25, 30 miles an hour at some point. So it, it was by no means easy to putt at all. Um, but some of the other stories, um, another one that we had kind of talked about this guy, uh, you'd mentioned, I think is Ben Calloway. Yeah. Ben I was Calloway, not expecting yeah. to see him up there. He is kind of having an interesting breakout season right now. So he's got back to back. He had an average start to the season, um, but he's got back to back top tens. Now he's the first pro tour top tens of his career. Uh, you know, I looked at his stats, kind of try to figure out what mm-hmm. he's got working, but he's really just a balanced stat line. Nothing mm. really stands out, but definitely um, an interesting, you know, and he's a Discraft guy, so there's just another one for Discraft. But yeah. Interesting na- name to keep an eye on because, yeah, he's kind of coming out of nowhere lately. Yeah, I mean, I would have expected him to pull away at, like, one of the tournaments where there was a lot more of the of the top pros not really showing up. Yeah. Um, like, what was the tournament last weekend? Uh, last week was Mid-America Open. What, I, I, there was one of them that a lot of people weren't showing up to. It's probably and, a silver series. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I would expect him to like maybe pull away at something like that. But this was a, still a pretty stacked field at this tournament. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he did he did a great job. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, definitely going to be interested to see. Uh, I feel like this season, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I feel like this season, a lot of the guys we ex- really hyped up have underperformed. And a lot of guys we did not see coming have overperformed yeah. what we thought. And Ben Callaway could be one of those players for sure. Um, another big storyline that we've been following, you know, week to week is the USDGC qualifying stop, spots. Yeah. And the big one was Brody Smith, you know, f- opened with two nine under rounds was I think maybe 13th. He was up there. He was top 15 for sure. He might've been even higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he I was think he might've been tied for 10th. As, yeah. As he was, point. he was close to top 10. Yeah. So he was 18 under after two rounds. 21 under ended up being the number he needed to be at um, to get a USDGC spot, and he shot plus two for the last two rounds. I thought, I personally thought this was the week. I saw back to back nine unders, and I was like, I was like, oh man, Brody's got, he strung two in a row together. I was like, 
you know, th- you know, we'll see what happens in crunch time, but moving day coming up, I was like, if he can put one more together, like this is his, I thought it was his event. And I thought this was going to be the first event where we saw him finish top 10, top five, like mm-hmm. contend a little bit, but yeah, I just couldn't quite keep it He's together. going to be soon though. It's get soon. He's going to be a top competitor. Yeah. Because I, I it, it, it's wrong to call Brody a new player because with how much he practices and how much effort he puts on into it, he's got the same experience at this point that people who have been playing for years and years have. But like, that's what's going to be a struggle for him is the consistency. And I'm sure that he would say that his struggle is a consistency with it. Mm-hmm. But he was like pretty consistent. Two nine under rounds are two really good rounds. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's been putting together good rounds and then mixed in with some other stuff. But this was a tournament where he had some good consistency and then just, I guess, struggled a little bit through the last round. But it, I mean, I think that it's, it's definitely, um, pointing towards the fact that very soon he's going to be a top competitor yeah i mean i i think i picked him i would have loved to have seen him at uscgc though yeah i'm really hoping i'm not sure there's still obviously uscgc is until october so there's plenty of spots up for grabs and you know hey even if he can't get in you know he has that monday qualifying which i'm sure he would try to get in that would be exciting i I want i want him to be in there so bad yeah but i would would, so much fun to watch yeah i would love to see him play that course um some so to not to to forget all the other players that actually did qualify for USDBC. Mm. Uh, so there are five spots up for grabs. Obviously, a lot of the top spots are already you know as we've mentioned there, taken by guys who are either exempt for winning the event before, like your James Conrad's, your Paul McBess, or they've just qualified earlier in the year. So the guys who got spots were Ty Love, Ezra Robinson, Zachariah Johnson, Andrew Presnell. There's a good one who I didn't know was yeah. in yet. And Gavin Rathbun, who's another guy who's having a really breakout season. So good for Some him. Good names, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of a lot more good players were able to get in there. Um, and yeah, the USDG storyline has been really fascinating to follow. I don't remember it ever being... I don't know if they structured it new this year, but I don't remember it ever being this like exciting to pay attention to. But mm-hmm. it's like a lot of fun to to watch and see because yeah. it like adds a whole other layer to watching the leaderboard. You're like, not only do I care about who's gonna win, but if somebody pulls away, mm-hmm. you can be like, well, here's all these guys. Because usually, even if the leaderboard like first place is not really in contention, like there's so many spots for USDDC. Like there's like five at these big pro tour events typically where there's going to be a million people. It seems like in the mix yeah. of like who can get those spots and they're just, yeah, they're very attainable for like those middle of the road pros too. And it's, it's a really cool opportunity and it's an awesome story to follow. And but, it makes it more exciting for actual USAGC as right. well. Yeah. Because yeah. going into it, you now have all the drama built up and all the tension built up over this amount of time. Right. And, yeah, that's something I don't know. USAGC is just one of my favorites. Same. One yeah. of my favorite tournaments. Well, watch. that's something that I had written down is, uh, the whole, like epicness and excitement of qualifying for an event, you know, mm-hmm. it raises the question, you know, of what that role of qualification it has in disc golf, because, um, obviously we've talked a lot about, you know, tour qualification about yeah. how much prestige it adds to just being able to play a tour event. Um, but what do you think about like where qualification should be used to disc golf? Should it just be used for big events, which events, uh, or just kind of tours or what do you think? I don't know. I'm not sure I have like a super good opinion on that. I like that um, uh, basically kind of the the way that it has gone is that if you want to play an event, you can, whether or not you're actually going to be anywhere close to competing in it at all. Um, But also I do like, and I know that disc golfers don't like this word, but I do like a little bit of exclusivity. Yeah. Sure. Because it, it just adds some more excitement to some events. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm not really sure I have much more to say on it because I don't have a firm opinion on it. Um, it's just I, I can see benefits and and cons to it as well. Yeah, I think um, I think it's great. I think the only thing behind I mean, USDGC is obviously just one event and an arguably the most popular event yeah. behind Worlds, maybe. So like you're not even though you have a qualification system, you're not worried about it basically rooting through players to where all of a sudden you don't have enough players in your event. Yeah. yeah. The tour, um, like having your, your, your pro tour events throughout the year, that's where there's a little more of a question of like, now they've already started doing some tiered registration and like, even they're introducing a tour card next year, but it doesn't, it's not an exclusive thing. It's a thing mm-hmm. that you have to earn, but it only gives you certain rights and it doesn't mean you need to have it to play events as far as what we understand about it yet. 
That's um, a, yeah, it definitely depends for me because like for USCGC, I definitely like having to qualify for it. Yeah. Um, because again, like what we just talked about, it's just such such a it's so much more exciting, like mm-hmm. leading up to the event. And then also it makes all the other events before that exciting because you're not just looking at first place, yeah. you're looking at these these qualifying spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I know that the the Pro Tour seems to be taking a very cautious stance in their approach to building their tour before getting really cutthroat. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make sure they have enough p- good players that can play all their events consistently before they start really drawing lines in the sand, essentially. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of time, but obviously, I mean, with them introducing some version of a tour card, I think it is in their plans. And I, yeah, I love the idea of having to qualify for events. I think it's great. I would like to see, so in ball golf for the U S open, and this is, this would have to be down the road to when the sport's a lot bigger. There's a lot more players, but in ball golf for the, uh, U S open, you know, they call it the open because now it's different because the U S DGC isn't called the open, but they call this the open because it's, they have qualifiers everywhere, mm-hmm. like regional qualifiers. Then you go to like a higher up qualifier and like anybody can try and qualify for this event. And usually like you'll see on TV, like a few guys that are like stories because they're like, oh, it's some 16 year old kid yeah. that qualified or something like that. And I think, I think that'd be cool. But I think right now in disc golf, it's a USDGC is accessible enough, like because you can qualify through pro tour events mm-hmm. that it kind of serves the same purpose. Mm-hmm. But th- yeah, I, I like the idea of qualification for sure. But let's jump over to the FPO because FPO, we had a dominant win from Haley King, uh, winning by six strokes, same as Paul winning by six strokes over Katrina Allen. Uh, Heather Young and Macy Walker, another name to remember, tied for third. Um, this is back-to-back top fives for Macy Walker. She's kind of emerged onto the scene recently. Hope to see her touring more because this is another good uh, event for her, back-to-back. Uh, but Haley King with a strong win, and what it really comes down to was Katrina's putting woes. Yeah, I, I dug through the statistics on this one again, looking for where that separation was, and... Katrina, the rest of her stats, you know, we know that she throws well, and this is kind of like being Yeah, she's the best thrower of the disc. Yeah, as Hunter <laughs> says, she, she's the best thrower of the disc. I've said it a million times. You know, he likes claiming that one. But, yeah, I mean, she threw fine. I think she was top five in a lot of the throwing stats, like greens and reg and uh, fairway percentage. Now, Haley did throw slightly even better. But the mm-hmm. real separation was Katrina putting 61% C1X for the event. And I think she was even... 56 percent in like the third round like and that's abysmal yeah that's pretty bad haley on a pro tour that's pretty bad and haley for me, I'd, I'd be happy yeah yeah <laughs> really yeah uh i would take it for sure but haley who is not necessarily known as a lethal putter by mm-hmm. any means but she putted pretty well 76 She's solid though yeah yeah 76 percent um and then she led the field in fairways hit but yeah the putting you know when you put that much worse than somebody, even just percentage wise, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear to you can, I'm sure she can look back and find six strokes. You know, it's not super difficult. And, you know, I'm a little bit like surprised because, you know, after her dominant win last weekend, I believe it was. And we kind of like said once again, okay, Katrina Allen had a good putting weekend. Like, is she going to be able to build off of her momentum? Like that's what I keep waiting for is for her to have a good putting week yep. and then just gain confidence and take it into the next week. But now I will say because there was wind present, you know, and she has a very, I will say her putt is a little floaty. It's um, definitely one of the putts that's going to get punished by the wind more than others. Yeah. Even Haley has a much more direct, fast putt. And ha- and Haley's tall, and right. she's got long arms, which helps get a, lo- a lot more spin behind the putt as right. well. Right, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, Katrina not having a great wind putt, but in any case, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for her to string it together and get it yeah. on track. I had Haley as my second, like I predicted her for second place, and I knew she was going to do well on this course because it's a big open course. So I knew as usually where Haley gets in trouble is is she's got a lot of power and then she a lot of times she throws too far yeah and she'll she'll she gets ob strokes a lot too yeah um so i knew that as long as she could like she she could out bomb everybody out there i feel like maybe not but she can freaking bomb mm-hmm. and i knew that if, as long as she could throw far and make putts then she was gonna do well and i mean i was right not i was not perfectly right but i was close to right <laughs> yeah and um, but i also had a pretty awful pick as well 
Which one was that? Uh, Missy Gannon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, listen, like, even the MPO is getting tough, but the FPO this year has been ridiculous. Yeah, you, you never know. It is a guessing game. They're all yeah. over the place. Um, You never know who's going to pop into the top three out of nowhere, yeah. and you never know when Paige Pierce is going to stop playing well. So Brody texted them in, like, their group message and said, Connor, with that Missy Gannon pick, though. <laughs> yeah. It was it was definitely brought to my attention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Haley King started to pick up a little bit of momentum and there was like those USDGC spots were tracking the throw pink women's disc golf championship spots, which mm-hmm. I believe, no women's national U S is, uh, the U S championships for women is in the end of this month, I think, but this throw pink is later. We looked this up last week. Yeah. The throw pink one is later with it, but I don't remember. Well, what. we were thinking that they were the same thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it, right. That's but right, they're right. not. That, you're right. That wasn't last week. That yeah. was the week before. But um, so Haley King had not qualified yet. She grabbed a spot for winning. And then uh, Heather Young got the other spot because Katrina and Macy were already qualified. So there are some new uh, players qualifying for that event. Uh, then on to the most important results of any tournament, uh, let's be honest. And that's the Dark Horse picks. Oh, yeah. That is the only thing that we really And let me about. tell you, it, at this point, it's getting ridiculous <laughs> because you... You could like read into the dark horse picks. Disc golf is already hard to predict, but you could read into it and make a really accurate prediction. But let's be honest, none of us do that. No, we no. we do I look did, like, for a certain bit. things. We look for certain things like, oh, if they're from the area, what's their That's rating looked like lately? <laughs> rating yeah. and are they from the area? <laughs> but a lot of it's luck, and it's not on my side. I've mm. lost for like the third or fourth time. I Hunter. Hunter had Nolan Ramser, who finished at 20 under, which that heck of a pick. That guy shot way above his rating. Excellent pick. Really worked out. Connor, you went with Justin Rozak. I did, which he was doing so well. Yeah. He was doing so well. And he finished at seven under. And then I had J.C. Kester. And J.C., how do you do? (laughs) He was at 12 under going into the last round. Pretty good. So five over would have at least put us in like a tiebreaker. Yeah. Uh, And he shot 10 over. He finished at two under. So I was feeling very confident. And I think, cause I think my guy even, I think JC like went off in the first couple rounds to where I was like, Oh, this is, it's over. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to, I got this week. No. So I think I need to Venmo Hunter cause he's not here. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and do Venmo it right Hunter. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Anyways, go ahead do it. I'll do it later. It's, it's <laughs> I don't, I don't have time right now. All right. I got the notes. I just, just like to put it out there. I have not lost yet. Yeah, well, I mean, Hunter's lost once, right? Yeah. yeah. I, so I'm the only one who hasn't lost I was going to say, like, I've lost every time except for once. Yeah. I'm pre- I, but I've only won once. I'm going to spend all my money on coffee. I- <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so Dark Horse Pick's not going my way. So, listen, if you are playing in any of these events, I know Hunter had somebody <laughs> reach out to him uh, trying to, like, be the, his Dark Horse Pick. If you, like, if anybody has insider info. You just feel like you're feeling really good. Or, yeah, week, or if, like, yeah, like if you really are confident, like let me know because like I'm desperate at this point. It's getting mm-hmm. really bad. Um, but anyways, away from the DDO and on to a little segment we're going to do. You know, we don't know how many times we're going to have Connor on this podcast. Hunter and I's vacations just happen to line up this way. But I figure we might as well take advantage while we have him and get, you know, you always hear Hunter and my opinions on disc golf you're tired of hearing it like blah 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 everybody doesn't get paid enough like ratings are stupid <laughs> flight numbers are stupid everything's stupid like <laughs> you you hate hearing it you're sick of it so you want to know what what does connor think he's sitting there behind the camera and you never know what that guy's thinking like maybe know. he hates us maybe he thinks we're so wrong so we're gonna put him on the spot <laughs> and this is gonna be connor's takes on disc golf we'll call this hot takes on hot takes because you're gonna give us hot your takes. hot takes hot takes on hot cakes or your lukewarm <laughs> takes <laughs> on some hot takes these are like i wrote down five of like the more like controversial okay arguments in disc about, golf i feel like you're gonna be a, a little bit disappointed just because i'm not I feel like I, you I'm gonna need be a to deliver more. here's the here's the I'll, rules i'll try to get worked up the rule bit. is you have only have one minute to give your take i'll have a timer i might not even need that and stupid <laughs> you have to you have i'm gonna set the timer and you have to deliver some kind of absolute answer. Oh gosh. Okay. It doesn't necessarily answer? have to be. It doesn't have to necessarily be a yes or no. But like, you have to take some kind of side. <laughs> you can't just say okay. I don't have an opinion either way. Now, just to be clear, I don't have a ton of really strong opinions on these things. But the reason why Trevor's asking this is because you need to fake it till you make it. I have a lot of strong opinions on a lot of other things. <laughs> okay. Well, here's your first take. I'm just gonna read it as just not a question. It's just a take. I'm ready. 
Okay, take number one, and you have one minute to respond. The rating system is stupid, inaccurate, and shouldn't exist. Go. The rating system is stupid and accurate and shouldn't exist. Inaccurate. Inaccurate. Yeah, yeah comma, and shouldn't exist. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm wasting your time. <laughs> um, I agree. The rating system is, is stupid and inaccurate. Should it not exist? I think there's a place for it. Okay. I think there's a place for ratings in order for going into tournaments. We have a better understanding of where who should be placed where and stuff like that, who should compete with who, um, and also how we can have a different level of, of tournaments. Right. Um, they are, I do believe they're inaccurate uh, because I think they can be too easily swayed. Um, there was a guy at the, the tournament that we filmed the other day while you were on your honeymoon, and uh, Hunter told me about him, about how he had figured out like the, the way to do it was basically just don't play an event. So he didn't play any events for two years and then played a couple. And now he's like, I think he's like, I, I don't remember. He's like w- way above, way above a thousand rated. Okay. And so I think that they're, they're definitely, they're, they're pretty stupid. And time. Right on time. And right on. Pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. That one. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's about right. Yeah. I spent too much time with you guys. So of All course right. I'm not going to love yeah, we ratings. Just, we just like persuaded you at this point. All right. Take two. The dress code should be way more relaxed than ball golf. Players should be able to wear anything that isn't inappropriate. Start. That's not a hot take, just to be clear. Now, these aren't necessarily hot takes. These are just popular takes. Okay, gotcha. I disagree because everybody in disc golf wants... Okay, everybody... (laughs) A lot of people in disc golf want disc golf to be popular at some point because it's more fun for us. Sure. And then people don't look at us as weird when we say, I play disc golf. Um, and in order for it to get there, there's gotta be, there's gotta be more, uh, professionalism in the sport. Yeah. And I think that a dress code can really help with that. So I don't think that it needs to be right now to mandatory pants and well, probably, you know, like trousers of sorts, but just not (laughs) mandatory, mandatory, like long pants and like mandatory tucked in shirts. But I don't think like. I like the idea of doing a collar just because it, it feels more professional. Sure. Um, and yeah, I, I think that there should be a stricter j- dress code. Okay. You heard it here first. And also the whole like, or nice dry fit thing. That's not, that's, that's too ambiguous. Wow. There's the hot take. <laughs> All right. There's a lot of dry fits that don't look nice. We're going to go back to the, uh, to the dr- dress code thing in a bit, because I oh, think, okay. I think there's more to be said about the dress code. All right. I didn't hit what you wanted me to. No, I just, I want to open it up a little more. <laughs> All right. Take number three, disc golf courses are too easy. The pros shouldn't be consistently shooting 14 down at events. Uh, you know what? It, it depends on, this is very much, I feel like people look at this in comparison to ball golf. Mm-hmm. Um, for th- for this situation, just to know every time I say golf from now on, I'm referring to ball golf. Okay, but uh, in golf, the all, all the all the scores are a lot are a lot higher higher than they are in disc golf. Right. Um. I don't. Ass- the The problem with that is the the only reason why you would want to change the um the strokes on courses to make them harder is just to make them look better to outsiders, maybe. But honestly, but I don't, I don't know if that really makes any sense. Because at the end of the day, you're all playing the same course. So it doesn't matter how easy or hard it is. It all depends on who's making putts and who's hitting the fairway consistently. So if you're in a tournament and everybody's playing the same course, it doesn't matter how easy or hard that course is. I mean, the player that, the, the player that plays best uh, is going to win. Dang. Dang right, man. I, there you go. That one doesn't seem that complicated. That was, man, he really, I think you agree with most. I think most people agree with you on that. Hunter and I are a little. I don't even know if Hunter and I agree on that. I don't know. Maybe I don't know either. Know. I don't hear you guys talk about that. Too I much. like, I have, I, I like I, to play easy courses. Yeah. I like to play courses that are hard to play, but easy to score well on. <laughs> they make but me it, feel good. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Not but bad. that's not, I'm it's not, not, I'm not saying Stakes, the opinion. For, I'm not saying the opinion for me. I'm saying the opinion for pros. It doesn't matter how easy or hard the course is. Right. I want a course that's hard for them to play. I don't care what they're scoring. I'm only looking at their scores in comparison to everybody else's. I'm not looking at it as like, like, 15 down doesn't mean anything to me. I want to know who's in second. You know what I mean? Got it. So that's why I, I don't really care. Doesn't care. All right. You heard it first. Connor doesn't care. It doesn't. Don't care. <laughs> All right. Take number four. The purse is distributed poorly. Too much money reaches the back end of the leaderboard and it needs to be more top heavy. I do agree with that. I, I do agree that the, the purse is needs to be uh, heavier towards the top. 
than it is right now. And I think that's just because I know that everybody's talking about how we need to help support the people who are trying to tour. But um, at, at this point, the sport isn't isn't small enough to where if we're worried about supporting the lower players, it's just going to die. No, if we're if we don't support the lower players, somebody else is going to take their place. And so I think in order to make the grow, the sport grow more, make the competition more heavy and motivate people to work harder throughout the season to get there, I, I say distribute the purse. Because, I mean, in disc golf, I feel like second place and third place is too good. I yeah. think that second place and third place shouldn't feel like as much of a win as it, as it does. I think first place needs to have a, a heavier a heavier weight. Okay. Man, Connor's really, he's really aligning with us. That, that money we bribed him with is really paying off. It's working. All right, last take. And this one, as somebody who films disc golf, this one should really hit home. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. Live disc golf coverage is the future of the sport. The days <laughs> of post-produced content being such a priority are numbered. I, I agree. I, I don't like... I don't like my opinion on it. It doesn't make me feel good, but I, I do agree that that live disc golf is, is the future of the sport because that's how sports work. That's how people consume sports. That's how there's communities surrounding sports is that fans can get together and watch something at the same time. And even if they're not together, they're watching something at the same time. They're all experiencing it at the same time. And I understand that some people work, but that's how all, that's all, all sports work. I mean, but at the same time, I do love post round coverage because I think that it looks better. <laughs> it, it looks better. The graphics are better. I like the different segments they do. I don't like having to, I, I'm not a big fan of consuming the jumping from hole to hole um, and stuff like that. I like to watch one card and I like to watch them all the way through. So that's why it's not as fun for me to watch live golf. It loses my attention quicker because I'm not following a storyline, but I agree that it's the future of the sport and it's necessary. Wow. What's my time? Right on. But I'm I'm not sure if you took a side there. Did I not? I look like you no, said No, I, I said my opinion on it. I said I didn't like my own opinion. Okay. A lot of fence sitting. Li- live live disc golf. It's, That's what that was my opinion. Okay. Yes. It's really it's a difficult one, isn't it? That's a good point about you know, you, you I do wonder when uh like live disc golf looks will catch up. Yeah. Because like it hasn't looked awful. It, it, it is I watched good. I watched a little bit of live FPO. The other day, when me and Hunter were in the office, and right. there was one shot specifically that looked like it was it was awful. Yeah, it was awful. Every once in a while, the thing about live is every once in a while you catch a camera just make a mistake, or I mean, like the quality. Oh, really? Yeah, it looked like it was shot on an iPhone. Interesting. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things and a lot of money needed. To but sort yeah, I mean, out. it might have been. I mean, yeah. Anyways, though, I wanted to hop back to the whole dress code thing because uh, Foundation tweeted out, by Foundation, I mean me, because I was curious about it. I tweeted nice. out asking about the dress code because I feel like people are like... He was just looking to get fired up. I, I like to get people really riled up in the, in the Twitter comments because like I like tweeting things that just are just going to get people stirred up. Yeah. Like, I'm not in it for the likes and retweets. You just, like to, you just like to poke. Yeah. I just like to like, all right, now you guys go fight. <laughs> go fight yeah. in the comments. Um, I like how this is the hand motion right just now. Just fight, yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, so I commented asking like, is the dr- dress code like too strict? Is it perfect? Uh-huh. Talking about like mostly the pro tour and like the PDGA is like elite series dress code. You know, really the the big question is the whole it's like the war on collared shirts, basically. Yeah. Like I feel like there's so many people that like are who are against like strict dress codes. It's just like that, man, once you put that collar on a shirt, it's just it's the end of the world for them. They're like, man. And you know, maybe it's society's fault for making a collared shirt like what professionalism is, but it's too late. We did it. Yeah. And now we have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I don't know why we did that either. I mean, Nike Nike and like ball golf is trying like really hard right now to modernize and like give some youth to golf clothing because they're trying to sell it. Yeah. So they've introduced things that like you got your, you know, 60 some year old commentators on CBS going, now what's he wearing there, Gary? Like, (laughs) are those joggers and high top shoes? Like, you know, it, it gets them a little confused, but, and I, I think that's good, but man, yeah, golf dress codes are a tricky one because you've got disc golf, trying to get more refined and ball golf loosening up a little bit so that people don't feel like they're watching, you know, something from their parents' generation. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. A lot of people, some people in the comments were just like, you know, 
a, a few people like agreed they like the dress code. Yeah, collared shirts should be the thing. Some people were way off on the spectrum, going, you know, hey, who cares what they wear as long as it's, um, you know, you know, some like not inappropriate. Which yeah. to that, it's like, all right, come on now. Yeah, like, that, you gotta have a little bit of professionalism. But mm-hmm. the one that that gets me that people keep throwing out there that I want to talk about is people throwing out that word that that buzzword country club yeah people love throwing out the word country club when talking about the dress code it's about two things get like as like a derogatory term right so two people two things really get people to stirred up on that (laughs) word and it's pay to play rounds and i like pay to play rounds anyway right i mean here's the thing if you have a course and it is a private course and you have the ability to charge you can do so you are you are free to do so and it means that the course maintenance is great exactly so like that's a whole thing but sorry yeah related to the dress code people literally throw that around because like they they think like if we wear collared shirts it is somehow country club and and it hurts it makes us look like a country club sport you know what and that's ridiculous in itself because people forget that collared shirts doesn't only mean like plaid polo right or polos in general yeah uh it it means you can wear like a button up or a button down whichever way you roll <laughs> like hey sure but, like think about nico has worn a collared shirt multiple times but it's not what you would assume a collared shirt looks like it's not like just like a generic blue or red polo it's like some crazy pattern oh so you're shirt. so you're that's okay. still a collared shirt oh well, well, well so now you're on a different you're on a different train of thought then because you're saying as long as it's got a collar i'm not saying that i'm saying that's what you said so that's why i'm saying it no that's, <laughs> now i'm confused because collared shirt could be could be anything with a collar so okay but then are you because like if that's your thing like when i when we're talking about collared shirts we're pretty much alluding to golf polos Ni- yeah, Nico but, stretches that rule. Yeah, he wears shirts now. I think Nico, for the most part, like what he wears, and maybe maybe what Nico has found here is the middle ground. Nico has found like, hey, you can still wear like some pretty like noteworthy outfits. Yeah, but I don't think that's the problem when we talk about the whole collared shirt. Like, it's not like we're it's not like all these fashionistas feel like they're being suppressed. Yeah, it's the guys that want to wear t-shirts. Yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah. opposite. Yeah, it's the guy right. who wants to wear the and one shorts and the, yeah. and, like the <laughs> and then the t-shirt and that's just it. But that is an interesting point. On the other side of things is like. Yeah, there's a lot more to be done than you think. But yeah, the big like PDGA rule that is left in there right now that is keeping things where it is, is that you can wear like a dry fit t-shirt and it's kind of ambiguous, but that pretty much is what's generally accepted as allowed. Uh, you can wear that in lieu of the collared shirt, uh, which now let's be clear. Like when we see the notable players, any of the notable players wearing the non-collared shirts, they're typically um, like an Adidas dry fit or a Nike dry fit. Yeah. But it just doesn't quite have the same. I don't think I've ever seen Paul not wear a collared shirt. Not Paul. No, you would see it from an Eagle or a Calvin, even a, a Chris you're right. Dickerson. You're right, you're right. Uh, Kevin Simon. Jones would probably too. Simon, Simon wears sure. that that Dismania yeah. like plastered dry fit all the time. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is. It is such a weird thing the more I think about it, how much wearing the collared shirt uh, like adds to the look because like it, it's like literally just a collar, but it makes it look so much yeah. more professional. Yeah, yeah. But it does, uh, and I think it is important. Now, I don't know that the dress code needs – like I, I'm never going to say we need to wear pants. Like that's a ball golf thing. That's an old thing. Like don't get me wrong. Like that's – you know, that is what it is. Um but I think the collared shirt is a good start. And like Hunter, I mean, we joked about that one time on the podcast, the regulate the pants thing. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was like, hey. Which kind of blew up. Right. He was phrase. like, hey, if the pants have to be a certain standard, then the rest of the outfit will fall. I think it's kind of the same with collared shirt. If you're wearing a golf polo, then like your rest of your outfit's going to follow suit and you're just going to look more professional. Well, I and- think the real question that I want to know is, would you allow jorts on tour? Absolutely not. No jorts? No jorts on tour. Not some good cut-off jorts? I mean, I well, as a PDGA, apparently you are allowed right now. And I better get some I better get some tournaments in before you regulate the pants. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know. The whole the whole dress code thing is is kind of a mystery, but back to like the country club thing I think is the main point. I think we need to like stop using the word country club because yeah. like what like I just want to know what these people are like like talking about when they say country club in relation to like dress code. I think it's like, 
I think they're talking about it in a manner of like, like, oh, you had to go to the country club. You have to wear this. So it's like an exclusivity. I think it all goes back to like the snobby exclusivity yeah. type thing. But like a dress code, like you, you if you work at McDonald's, there's a dress code. Yeah. Like, so is that a country club? And usually it's a polo. Yeah. And usually it's a collared shirt. So does McDonald's have a country club attitude, you know? It's just a way for for people to try to like put and some like, kind of term yeah, to like, shame a, like, an opinion that's the, different than theirs. Yeah, what's the big deal? Like wear a collared shirt, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't you. know. I just think I mean it, we want it to be a professional sport. Yeah, I do at least. I don't know if everybody else does, but I would think. Yeah. And the way towards there is to look more professional. Yeah, I heard people. I also saw people in the comments mentioning jerseys similar to like that sounds awful like the jomez ones and like listen that's a cool shirt sure if you're into that sort of thing <laughs> but like no golf and golf also is, directly in the sunlight those jerseys are there's no way that's com- that's well, comfortable yeah golf is like an individual sport like the whole idea behind a jersey is like you identify your teammates yeah that's it yeah so like golf like that's almost like a stricter dress code because like golf like you have the yeah. chance to express yourself i see i like that players get to have a chance to show their personality right you know beyond having I, I, I love i love some of the polos i've seen germ wear right like this he, there's a good example like, like a shirt like this but with but as a polo like yeah. see some of that stuff and i think that's super fun because yeah. it makes him look like a fun like goofy approachable guy but he's still a professional right and yeah. it doesn't make him look any less so yeah i think but it also doesn't make him look like a country club tool yeah. you know what i mean yeah i don't get it there's a lot more to wearing collared shirts than just like being some stingy, you know, wearing your little cardigan over top of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there's, yeah. I think that we should regulate and everyone should have to wear a polo and an ascot. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that is the rule from now on. <laughs> then we'll use country club. <laughs> Anyways, that just is what triggered me last night. Anyway. <laughs> that, that didn't trigger you. You triggered yourself. You <laughs> I started the fight just so I could get angry at it. Yeah. Anyway, I started the fight. <laughs> Now I just got to figure out what I'm fight I'm going to start tonight in Twitter. <laughs> Sometimes I just like reminding myself that people have like some like really out there opinions on disc golf, and it's yeah. just like fascinating to it sift fascinating. through them. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun that there are so many different opinions on it, and I yeah. like that there's so many different opinions on it. Yeah, I just want to throw out one thing that uh, I made me think of it because you said that you were going to post another thing, and it just made me feel like you just had free reign over whatever you wanted to since Hunter's not here. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> Hunter's in the Hunter's at the beach right now. This is his first grip locked that he's not on. Yeah. And he was, I could see it in him last week. He had brought it up and I could see it was really hard for him to let it go. Yeah. But another thing I totally forgot to mention, by the way, if today is Thursday, when this comes out tomorrow, Friday is Hunter's birthday. He's turning 28. So make sure to go wish him a happy birthday on social media or wherever he is. And yeah, he's getting up there, man. He is getting up there. Yeah, I know. Uh, but let's move on to, it's weird. Cause normally this segment is like introduced from Hunter and he calls it the fan favorite, but nobody's ever said it's their favorite. So I'm just going to call it the segment that exists. Trevor's <laughs> Trevor's trivia <laughs> and I'm Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, in honor of our fallen leader who hasn't fell, but actually gone to the beach, <laughs> um, Hunter, we're going to have a Hunter trivia question He's going to be falling whenever he gets back, and he sees some of the stuff that we've done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. You guys watch the video that comes out on Friday. Yeah, you're going to want to... You're going to want... It was all just... Me and Trevor had free reign to come up with whatever we wanted, and boy, did idea. we. <laughs> yeah. You're going to want to see it. I'm you're, really excited. We've been yes. giddy about it for a while. Yeah. So, our trivia question today. So, our boss, Hunter, he has eight career wins. <laughs> How many... Of, and I know... Connor, I know you're such a big fan of Hunter. Like you love him, and like I do. you I follow his career so yeah. carefully. Mm-hmm. So, how many of those wins can you name, <laughs> if any? I don't think I can name any. Really? Okay. Well, I know you should be able to name one. Well, one was at nationals. Was it not? Do you think Hunter's a national champion? You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking about how he got the All American trophy. Yeah. I'm gonna say. I didn't see any national national championship bands anywhere. <laughs> um, he did have one collegiate win my sophomore year. You were on the team this year. Was it at NC State? No. Was it at Clemson? It, I'm just going to start naming it all It was a tournament that we won. We didn't win either of those two. 
I don't remember, man. Really? I, I thought you'd remember. at least. Oh, was it was it David's cup? David's cup. Dean's cup. Dean's cup. <laughs> David's, <laughs> was it Dean's? Cup? <laughs> well, we didn't win Dean's cup, and it's not a singles event. He won Seco. Oh, cool! You didn't know that? I don't. I don't know anything. I just called it David's Cup. Seco. <laughs> <laughs> so Seco was an event that we didn't usually go to, but that year we flew out there, um, champ flight, and we won by like twenty. That's very cool. I didn't event. know that. Really, it was our first event of the year. I came in third. That was my best finish ever. I beat Raven Newsom, who's like twenty third in the nice. right now. Best best day of my life, practically, <laughs> and. Um, and we won by like 20. Oh, I remember during one of Trevor's trivia, as you said, I slapped him around at Seco. Yeah, there you go. That was Seco. I remember that. It was a great weekend. We killed everybody. We thought, you know, this is our year. We're going to stomp over everybody. And we proceeded not to win like the rest of the year. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Good job, Hunter. Let me just go ahead and read off his other wins real quick. I am a big Hunter fan. I know, I know nothing about his wins, but I'm a big Hunter well, fan. Well, there's a follow-up question. Um, who has a higher win percentage, Hunter or Drew Gibson? I'm gonna, just because of the satire of the question, I'm going to guess that it's Hunter. Ding, ding, ding. That's <laughs> correct. Hunter has a win percentage of 12.5%, while Drew Gibson's win percentage is 6.3%. Well, he hasn't had those pen roses in his, ba- in his bag for that long, so Drew Gibson's... Maybe he'll start catching might, them. might go up more. But Hunter also just put a pen rose in his bag, so... Well, I guess it's just going to even out. I just thought that was a really funny stat. That it is really <laughs> funny. Yeah. But that yeah, anyways, before I forget, Hunter, you know, he won the 2016 and 2017 Commonwealth Games, the mm-hmm. 2017 Elk Creek Classic, the 2017 Battle on the Blue Ridge, the 2018 Sasquatch Open, 2018 Seco, and 2020 Momita Max. He's going to love that you're putting all this in here. He's got so many wins, man. He is so good at disc golf. Like, whenever we play against really each other, is, just remember bro. how good he is at disc golf. I would just like, you know what? I can actually say something because I'm in front of the camera. Okay. I would like just go in and say, this isn't, you don't you don't put an opinion on this. Just let you know. Okay, I might. People be trashing my boys all the time oh, in the comments. <laughs> I'm not coming after anybody. Just be clear. I'm not going to ever do that. But... Whenever I think about Hunter and Trevor, I think about whenever I was on the team with them, and they were really good back then. They, you guys did a lot of okay. They were a, Hunter was they really were good. pretty good. I was okay. Hunter Trevor was, really was good. around people who were really good. <laughs> yeah, Hunter was actually super good. <laughs> but and like, yeah, Hunter was very very good. Yeah. And so I mean, I remember you guys as being super good, and you guys are still super good. But you're only ever playing doing stupid videos, and usually no warm up or anything, just go straight into the video. And so I'll just be clear: they're not awful at disc golf. They're not. People are amazing really, at disc golf. People are really gonna think there's a gun to your head right now. I, there's not. I'm just a huge fan. I just love them. <laughs> I love. I love these boys. Well, that's, that's that's very touching. <laughs> also, Hunter is gonna. He's gonna. You reading that off? He's gonna be so excited because you know he's gonna listen to the podcast. Yeah. And, on Thursday, well, of course. And then he's gonna. Then on Friday, he's gonna get hit with just a huge sh- downer. <laughs> sh- keep that quiet. All right, on to our next segment. I I'm call not this saying one, what it is. It just he knows something's coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know something a little bit. Uh, I call this one flop or not. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Uh, Elevation disc. I was about to say pretty much. <laughs> What's it called? The in the interceptor. Influencer? <laughs> the, the, interceptor. <laughs> the influencer. That's what you got to be. It's my disc. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that we have a lot of like guys breaking out this year that we didn't expect and then there's a lot of guys that we did expect to have breakout seasons that aren't mm-hmm. so we're going to go through a few players that are kind of on that borderline of like they had a lot of hype going into the season uh and their season has been kind of meh yeah and i'm just going to ask if you think they're having a flop of a season or not really just kind of meh or okay uh first we have Probably the biggest candidate for this, and that is Ezra Aderhold. He his I'll read off their finishes this Flop. year. Before you get to that, <laughs> so his finishes were second, promising start. Then he went twenty second, twenty seventh, sixty seventh, seventy sixth, thirty second, twentieth, and forty fourth. I think it's a flop. I think he has potential to do better, and this season has just been a flop for him. Yeah, uh, because I I definitely think that he has the ability to do better. He's got the skills too, and you know what? Matt asked him. On the Nick and Matt show at the begin, like as soon as he got that second place win, he said, "Well, Ezra, was this a fluke?" And Ezra said, "No." But I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it was a fluke. I think he deserved it. But I think this season's a bit of a flop for him. 
but I, that is not saying that he's a bad player. I think he's, I think we're going to see better seasons from him. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Ezra, you know, with all the hype he was getting and with the Discraft signing, you know, he's getting a lot of hype. And like, to be fair, he created a lot of his hype. So. Yeah, that's. So, what, I mean, it's good. It's good hype. He's a likable guy. It, and and well, it's he's a likable guy, and he marketed himself, right? Which exactly. is great. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that's. I I was super excited that he got picked up by Discraft and had so much hype around him because of the way that he mm-hmm. made it all happen. Yeah, I I do think he's talented, um, but it's definitely a flop of a season. He's not. You know, in that top twenty as much as I thought he would be. Uh, next player is a player who, you know, I have him on this list not because he was like a hype for a breakout, but kind of a guy that we keep tossing. Like for every year, we find a reason to toss him into like our top six or seven in the world, uh-huh. uh, and yet he kind of keeps disappointing us. And that is say. Kevin Jones. Yeah, so him. Kevin Jones finishes this year our seventh. So he won the. He, reason why he really had a lot of hype is because he won the pro tour finale last year. Yeah. So we had that reason. And then he's gone seventh, 54th, 14th, fifth, 32nd, fourth, 31st and 14th. So a few top tens, uh, three of them, but then surrounded by a lot of not good finishes. Yeah. You want me to, you want me to go first? Go for it. Um, he didn't a few top tens. Yeah. He's was up there, but he hasn't really been up there. Right, he's kind of been out of the mix. I don't know. Even at his home like event, Jonesboro, when he finished fourth, his best finish, he wasn't really in contention to win, and that was kind of the sign for me. It's like, hmm. I don't really know. I what, think is I. This is an off year for him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's saying what you're saying. I don't. I don't really know what it is with his game. I guess it's just not all really coming together. But you know, I we've kind of been talking about Kevin Jones like. It seems to happen a lot in sports where, like, there's an athlete that seems like they're an up and comer and a young gun and, like, this, like, for future superstar. And they keep that role for, like, almost their whole career. And it's like, yeah. all right, he's 30. At what point are we going to say? When is he going to get better? <laughs> yeah. Or at what point are we just, like, going to write him off? And, like, Kevin Jones, it seems like it's been quite a few years now. Uh, and he's like, he manages to always snag that, like, one win that, like, you know, he had that first win at Jonesboro a few years back and then he won the finale. Uh, but it's just like, yeah, there's always that one win that just keeps him in our minds. And like, he's not having, yeah. let's not, everybody wants him to finish. Well, I like Kevin Jones. I like Kevin yeah. Jones a lot. And, I, and, and honestly, he's so entertaining to watch play. Yeah. Like he oh, throws, very much, he throws yeah. cool shots. Yeah. I mean, he bombs an M four like on Heiser for like, 350 feet and then it flips over and finishes right like yeah. 420 feet later <laughs> yeah like it's it's pretty cool but and he's not having any kind of like horrific like nightmare season it's just not what we expect out of a guy who we, yeah we we kind of think of as like even a top 10 player and that's right? i kind of feel like people have hyped up kevin jones too much in the past and yeah. that's why he always seems to it seems like he's finishing lower than he actually is yeah and it's because people hype him up so much but he never he's not he's not done a ton of of impressive important things yeah he just is a he's fun to watch he's won some stuff and he was young at one point he was young at one point (laughs) but i I do like kevin jones a lot and i would like to see him uh play better same yeah um so the last guy i have here on this list i kind of put him here because I hyped him up a lot at the beginning of the season because his first two finishes were both first. They were, I believe they were both in Arizona or I know one at least was, and they're, it's important. I put them here first because they were not uh, big stacked fields. I mean, I think AB was like his biggest competition at both of them. Uh, and he, he won them both and he would looked invincible. Mm-hmm. Like I was literally, I tweeted at one point, I'm like, Adam Hammond is going to win like three pro tours this year. Like he looked he was he did not miss a putt at one of those events like inside of 50 feet yeah he was throwing so well and i was like okay adam hamez is going to be a top five player by the end of this year and so the rest of his finishes have been 14th 6th 34th 24th 5th 5th 9th so that's the way you would look at that and you would look at the adam hamez we saw he was never crazy low Right, so we would we would uh, we look at like an Adam Hammons from like last year, the year before, and be like, "That's a good season for Adam Hammons." I only put him here because I it think seemed, it looks more promising. His game, I think, is capable of being really, really good, better than just kind of barely breaking into the top five. I think he should be challenging for wins more. 
So I'm not going to say it's a flop, but I am going to say I'm still waiting on Adam Hammes to explode a little bit. It's a meh, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like Adam Hammes, and I like watching him play, but there have been few times that I've watched him play, and he's played well. Yeah. Like, he just he's he is very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. He sometimes puts huge putts in the baskets yeah. and sometimes throws killer drives, but then he's just he's just pretty inconsistent. Right. And, and I feel like him and A.B. remind me of each other a lot in, yeah. their, in their, their, their strengths um, because they're both young guys who can throw yeah. really hard. Um, but they're but they're both pretty inconsistent. Yeah. Um, and but uh, I like him and I'd like him to finish well. But he's kind of yeah. I'm with you. It's kind of a meh. Yeah, he has sure. the potential with those wins at the beginning of the season. But definitely, yeah. So before we get into our predictions for next week's event, uh, the challenge at Goat Hill, uh, I want to talk a little bit about parity in disc golf. Uh-huh. So we're seeing, you know, I've really been noticing lately, and especially this past weekend where we were getting towards, you know, after the second round and even after the third round, I was looking at the leaderboard and I was like, wow, like they are all of the good names we know that we love to see on a really crowded leaderboard. Mm -hmm. And they are all within a few strokes of each other. Like I'm really starting to see this year, the leaderboards, you know, we've talked about like new guys winning each week, which is like a kind of a form of parody, but really what's exciting about this is how the leaderboards are shaking up to where there's so many players in contention to where that final day or that moving day round is like a must watch and you got to follow everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, I think it's coming with, you know, just a bigger crop of talented players. You know, there's just more and more guys that are getting better at disc golf and they're catching up to the top. Mm-hmm. So I think Paul and Ricky, if we're going to say those guys are the top of the game, I think Paul and Ricky are, I hate to say it, but probably at their ceiling. There's only, there's probably not, I don't know if either of those two are going to get any better than they can be at their best right any now. Any better? Yeah, I could see that. I think they can play better than mm-hmm. certain times, but I don't think they're going to get any better than their best is right now. Yeah. Probably not. Um, so I think guys are starting to slowly catch up a little bit, the younger players, and I think more are just getting into the game. But I kind of had an interesting, you know, idea about this and that is two things number one is you know when we have these more crowded leaderboards and there's so many good players you know how is that going to shift people's standards of what makes for a good season you know since we just talked about these other guys seasons yeah that's a really good point what it what is that going to do and how how long is it going to take for that you know shift because then my second point was how is this going to affect hall of fame and greatest of all time you know those goat conversations down the line because you might have a guy 20 years from now who is entering that, you know, maybe that goat conversation uh-huh. to like upstage, you know, Paul or Climo, whoever you have in that spot right now. Uh, and we've kind of already had a little bit of it with Climo with the whole winning 12 world titles and Paul and winning five. Yeah. But it's going to get even more extreme because mm-hmm. winning five world titles it's might be unattainable. <laughs> it might be unattainable five years from now or not five years, 20 years from now. But if we have a guy who's won two world titles and seems so much like you're almost going to have to assess it from like a pure sense of just watching them play disc golf and just mm-hmm. seeing how good they are. And that's where, that's where it's become in other sports and how it gets so subjective and becomes a real argument. Cause right now you can just look at stat lines and you can make a pretty easy argument for Paul yeah. being the greatest of all time. Yeah. Plus his playing ability, but down the line, it's going to get harder. So I just wanted yeah. to ask you about like what you think about all that. You know, I think, I mean, I do think these are good points. I, I first, the very first thing is I love it. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's so cool that we know that there's just not going to be someone dominating every tournament. Yeah. Um, that I I think it's so cool that I'm seeing names that I haven't even really thought about much before now starting to finish, uh, like first and second and third and just top 10 in general. Yeah. And that's a good point that we just talked about those people. Are they having a, are they having a flop of a, of a season? But in reality, they might not be having a flop. We just might be having a great season for disc golf. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think I I'm with you. I do think that's how it's going to be in the future. I, I don't think anybody's going to win. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody's going to get five world titles. Interesting. Um, Maybe I'm definitely not 20 years from now. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. That is true. That is true. Because even in the, in the stacked field of golf, Tiger still dominated. Yeah. You have to. So like, there's still always going to be someone who is good and consistent. You have to remember now, this hasn't quite happened yet. We haven't disc golf's like 
beginning of prime. Now, Paul, let me see. Paul is 30 right now. He won his first world title nine years ago, mm-hmm. right? 2012? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, age 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was pretty young. But if you think about it, compared to other sports, you know, realistically, we could have a guy start his prime like at age 20 and yeah. end his prime like upper 30s, age 37. Well, wait, eight. I think we could have them start their prime. It's, we can have younger players competing in disc golf because we don't work the same way other sports do. True. And it's, well, we work like golf. Like I, golf I doesn't have a. I'm thinking in the sense that like other sports have, have college and, and then and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I think like obviously physically, like there are guys who could play on that same level at a, at age 16, uh-huh. but it's the mental thing that You're is right. usually what separates them. But I'm thinking like if you have you, you can have like maybe a at least a 15 year career in your uh-huh. in a prime, mm-hmm. you know, five world titles out of 15. It doesn't seem necessarily unattainable. Yeah, but but you've got it is uh, you've got another. The people, we're just going to add more people who have that potential. It's true. So yeah, five crowded. out of 15 doesn't seem that bad, but whenever you've got 100 people who have the potential to have five out of 15, yeah, I mean, it's, it's less likely. It, Math. It's, it's definitely, yeah. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely going to be interesting. And I think, yeah, I think really what it's just going to do is like, you know, however many years from now, it's just going to make arguing for the greatest of all time pretty much futile because, yeah, you know, especially if enough guys get to the top at a talent level of Paul, then it would just be impossible to argue because yeah. it's the same thing that happens in every other sport. People use certain stats to try and prove their point, but those stats are kind of like not really the point. And then if you, you can't have a guy from 50 years ago playing against a guy from right now, that's the only way we'd ever really know. And we can't see it. Yep. Unfortunately, computer yep. simulation hasn't gotten there yet. <laughs> if it ever does, there'll be chaos in the streets. <laughs> if they ever figure out how to put a simulation of LeBron James in Michael Jordan's era and he scores 80 points every game, there's gonna be a lot of old people who are upset. <laughs> and that's all I'll say on that. And Hunter's not here. Hunter's not here to correct me. And Connor doesn't care. I don't care. All right. All right. So we're going to, we're going to quickly get away from that and we're going to go into our predictions. So this week is a little bit of like an off week. Uh, because we have, I think it's the OTB Open. That is the following week. I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So there's kind of, this week there was a Silver Series, and that's what we're going to talk about, the challenge at Goat Hill. And then there's also, Paul isn't even going to be there. He's going to be playing Huck Central uh, in South Carolina, and that's actually a course that we've played yeah. because that is where Clemson University plays, and it's a fun course. Well, I haven't played there, actually. You never played Clemson? No, I never played Clemson. Okay. Well, I've played Clemson a few times, <laughs> and it is a fun course. I'll be interested to watch uh, some good players out there, but a l- the better field is at the Silver Series, uh, so that's what we'll talk about. Uh, it's it, Yeah, like we said, it's a light field, so especially for the FPO. MPO, there's some good players out there. Uh, my MPO predictions, Ricky is by far the best player there. Yeah. He's going to win most likely. I bet you're going to, what if you have the same picks as me? Second and third get a little tricky. I'm going to go with Drew Gibson in second. Wow. I didn't want to because I just don't, he is like such a like top 10 like guy. Like he can get into those top tens without a lot of trouble, but yeah. like he's never really contending, but I do know now might be his time. I think he's a California. I think he's from California. I believe he is. That sounds right. I'm not sure. He's though. definitely West Coast. So I think he's near his home turf because this is in California. And I know he can pop off hot rounds. And I feel like I feel like I feel one coming. It's going to be he's going to go off for a okay. hot round and hold on a second. And then third place is also tough. I'm going to pick Anthony Barella because obviously, you know, I'm like his biggest fan. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the field is just like. Have you guys been DMing? We haven't. He gave me the follow on Instagram. That was big. But <laughs> haven't worked up the courage yet. <laughs> but uh, the field is pretty light, so like it's not difficult to pick him for third. Um, what do you have for MPO? I've got um, Ricky, and then I went with you know I'm starting to regret. Here we go. <laughs> I went with I went with Yuli for second. That's actually a good pick. It's a great pick. What I'm regretting is I went Nico for third. That's not a bad pick. I thought about it, he's, but I, he's kind of having a dud of a season lately. I. W- I I like Nico. I'm not like a huge. I'm not like I'm in love with Nico, but I like I like it whenever Nico finishes high because I feel like his era of being 
really, really good, got overlooked by a lot of disc golfers that are just now getting into the sport. True. And so yeah. I want him to get a little bit more of that recognition. Exactly. And nobody, and, and it, he doesn't really get any recognition for that anymore, I yeah. feel like, because it got outshadowed by the soon to be Macbeth period. Yeah. And so I, I always want Nico to play really well. When, anytime I see Nico on a card, I'm rooting for him to throw really well. Wow. But he's always fun to watch. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Uh, so the FPO field is super light. Like a lot, yeah. there's still a lot of good players there, but a lot of our top players are Haley Kings. Our Paige Pierce is still on her hiatus, and then Katrina Allen is taking some time off as well. Um, so the field is a little bit lighter. My picks were Jessica Weiss, California native, in first. Kona Panis, another California native, in second. And then third place, uh, going with Holland Hanley. I'm excited to see how she does. Uh, recently signed with Dynamic uh, after a couple breakout performances. Obviously, she beat Katrina Allen in Arizona, and that was like what put her on the map. But like, just got into disc golf and is like super good already. So I'm gonna pick her to sneak into third place. I've got I switched around your your top top two. I went Kona, Jessica Weiss, and I went Owens, Owens Coggins. Owens Coggins, yeah. Owen has had a good season, and then this last event, she really blew up at the DDO. So hopefully, she yeah. But get she's back but she's track. had a decent season. I think that she's got third place in her. I think you're probably right. Um, so then the dark horse picks. Yeah. Go ahead and start with yours. I've got. I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> okay. Tim Lazur. Le- 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 leisure. <laughs> Lesueur. Lesueur. That's what I would guess. Well, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna go with Tim. He is. Oh, I didn't even write down what he was rated. He was. He. I might have it so pulled up. He is. Uh, usually, like I'm right here. Usually, I like to go for a really low rated player, um, just because I like to do that. But he's medium. He's 984 rated, but he's from California. That's about it. That's about there all I looked go. at. You know, that's. That's great. Mm-hmm. I found what I, I'm really thinking could be the cheater pick, and that's Max Nichols. Max is Nichols is pick. 997 rated. He was 1,008 rated for the longest time. Like He was a pretty good player and just recently dipped under 1,000 rated, yeah. and he's in his home state. I really think Max Nichols like, at, honestly could come like top 10. So like, The only reason I didn't pick him was because out of pride, I have to pick someone lower rated. (laughs) Surely, surely I can't lose this week. Hunter has the most interesting pick. He sent it to me. Somebody DM'd him and like showed video of him playing their look this, this course so that like Hunter would pick, even though he's 947 rated, Hunter was still confident to pick Jake Brown. So Jake Brown, that is Hunter's pick. And we shall see how that works. That's exciting. That is exciting. That's exciting. I, someone did exactly what we said, and he was he was feeling good. He was yeah. like, "I'm gonna play well. Let me hit him up." Yeah. Hey, I if anybody wants Elsman's trap for dark, yeah. dark yeah. horse picks, we are obviously we don't put too much thought into it. We're, if we're <laughs> yeah. persuaded, we will if definitely. You pick tell you. us to pick you. We're gonna pick you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up today's episode with a make that call, and you know I was left in charge. There was a lot of questions today. I know, I know. I feel like this is like an interview. It's weird. It's different being like the host. It's like, yeah, I'm, you're doing a really good balance. job. You know, thank you, man. Hunter, I really enjoy I got it. a new respect for Hunter now. I, he, yeah. He's, he's very good at this. I like both of you guys. I can't pick a favorite. All right. <laughs> uh, so this scenario, uh, I hope that we haven't like used this in some degree. I don't know. This is hard, but I found one I think is decent. Okay. Uh, so you, it's a scenario you're going to be, you're playing in an event in 90 degree heat and hundred percent humidity. So Great. just think it's gross. Oh, this collar is so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you are just so mad at us for getting the rules changed. You have to wear that collared shirt. So one of your card mates is having trouble holding onto the disc and you notice him dip his hands into a container possessing some kind of tar like substance. Uh-huh. You know, I was thinking like pine Weird. tar in baseball is what the pitchers would use okay. a lot to cheat for grip. Gotcha. So it's clear that he's using it for grip on the disc over time you notice that the substance begins to build up on the disc significantly making the presence of the substance very obvious to everyone on the card is there a possible rule infringement to call this player on um i know there's no regulation like no rules against putting anything on your hand for grip but there are rules on putting stuff on your disc for grip now i don't know where they draw the line of at which point it's on your hand at which point it's on your disc but I'm going to say if it's like visibly on your disc and everybody on the card can like agree to it, 
I'm going to say it becomes an illegal disc. Yes. Excellent. Excellent assessment there. That is true. So there is no rules on like what you're able to use on your hands for grip, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm I think not sure that's how I feel about it either. I think that's okay because I don't think like in some sports, it's just so obvious. Like in, in, in the NFL, if you're a receiver, it's just so obvious that having sticker sticky hands is going to help you. Yeah. Now in baseball, it's a little different because they're, Baseball is a sport where they use a grip substance when they cheat the pitchers. It is not to make the ball stick to their hand, but just for a little more friction. Mm -hmm. So like using that side by side, you would think disc golf, if they found there to be an advantage with a little more grip, then maybe they'll look at it unless it becomes an, I mean, we're allowed to use chalk. Now baseball players are allowed to use like a rosin bag for grip similar they just can't use something that sticks. Yeah. So until it becomes a problem, it's nothing they need there's to do. There's like there's like a there's a weird line there where everybody can have like an even playing field, as in like some people have really sweaty hands, some people have really yeah. dry hands, so you can like kind of level that out a little bit. But then there's a point to where you're modifying discs in a way yeah. that so yeah, yeah, but then there the rule is then if it if the substance were to build up on the disc to greatly affect um, the diameter or weight of the disc. That's when it becomes the problem. That's a good point. So you correctly assess that. Um, but yeah, that cool. is it. That is the end of the Trevor Connor episode. Maybe the only one you'll ever see after Hunter, you know, takes a li- <laughs> gets a listen on this one. But anyways, make sure to, uh, I can't really think of there's any super specific. Oh, I think we, there may be another, another ledge stone wave coming soon. So mm-hmm. be able to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. That's exciting. We don't really know everything we're getting for that, but if it's anything like last time, it's going to be pretty sick. Uh, we are still developing our next apparel line. So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, but I think that's a lot of what's going on at foundation. And watch the video that comes out on Friday and watch the video that comes out tomorrow. Get, Hunter's birthday. You'll get a wish him that happy it. birthday. Yeah. Watch the video. It's going to be hilarious. But other than that, we will see you next time. See you.